Hello, I'm Simon Rimmer. Welcome to the final show in the current run of Grilling, the podcast brought to you in association with Weber Barbecues, in which we explore the lives of some of our best-known chefs. From their first memories of food to hitting the mainstream, we cover it all, hopefully giving you a few ideas as how to improve your skills in the kitchen along the way. We also discuss outside cooking, of course, and how to get the best flavours out of your barbecue. Now, amongst those who've already joined me, Tom Kerry, Jason Adam, Nadia Hussein, the Harry Bikers, Angela Hartnett, Michelle Rue Jr., who has a little link to today. Uh, but today we're grilling Monica Galetti, born in Samoa. Monica moved to New Zealand when she was just eight. After completing her studies, she worked in a restaurant called Timothy's. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Wow. Uh, before relocating <laughs> to the UK in 1999, she joined forces with former guest on the show, Michelle Rue Jr., at Le Gavroche. Not a bad start to your career. <laughs> Many of the people I know sort of started in Nando's or uh, Peck Peck Chicken uh, for Tom Brown. Uh, familiar face on the screen, of course, thanks to MasterChef The Professionals. And now it runs our own superb London restaurant with husband David. And you know someone's firmly part of the establishment when they appear on Desert Island Discs. <laughs> Welcome. I'm very jealous of that, actually. Really? Uh, well, oh. I, just, I just always think, you know, when you grow up, that's kind of the thing where you go, wow, if you're on Desert Island Discs, oh. you, you, you've made it. Gosh. What yeah. was the one song that you would uh, keep forever then? The one song I'd, I'd keep for forever from, oh, there was a few, possibly Purple Rain. Okay. Prince, yeah. yeah. That's, a, that's a great song. It's a good song, isn't it? In the end, when it just keeps going. Yeah. And going. <laughs> that's, that is a brilliant song. And now, before we talk food, Samoa is one of those mysterious places for people in the UK where we think of Polynesian islands, we think of rugby. Um, <laughs> sell Samoa to me. Yeah, definitely rugby. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, sandy, gold, sandy beaches, uh, beautiful waters. Um, you know, I grew up with, you know, picking mangoes and you know, fresh coconuts from the low palm trees where, you, you know, as an eight-year-old, I could stretch up and, and, and pick a coconut off to give to the uncles to cut open for a drink. You know, pineapples uh, on the on the side of, of, of the house. That was my childhood. You know, which, chickens which, running everywhere. Which begs the question of why on earth are you yeah. in southwest London? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It couldn't be any further. <laughs> so, so growing up there, what, what's the family set up? Uh, in, in in Samoa, I mean, uh, the, the culture in Samoa is is about the the, the family, you know. Um, so you have, we have our our, our family land, uh, the main house on there, and then all throughout the plantation, you know, Samoa have a house on one side. You've got an auntie and uncle that live maybe down further down the the, the road. You know, you just run around barefoot. I remember as a child, it was raining. And I mean, it was raining, terrain, terrain. There's massive puddles in the front of the, of the property, uh, you know. And we were, you know, the, everyone was out. There's maybe 20 family members playing cricket in the rain. And they were just sliding, you know, into these puddles of rain. And it was so warm, you know, yeah. that it was just, a, I just remember it being very happy and, and a lot of laughter and that. It's yeah. funny, is it? Because your childhood is your childhood. And it is that really the thing when you talk to somebody about somebody else's childhood, you don't know any different. No. Yeah. You know, you don't think it's unusual or magnificent or whatever. Yeah. It's it's just what's happening. Yeah. But- so because of that that family base then, does that mean that food and, and chores and responsibility shared yes, from the outset absolutely you know uh someone's responsible you know someone was responsible for going out and, and getting bananas from from the plantation you know someone's probably rung a chicken <laughs> um <laughs> you know uh i'd often get sent out uh, with the little cousins to collect eggs uh for for example um you know so there was always someone that had a role to to play and even in, in, when we you know we moved to to new zealand for example um, and we have, uh, you know, uh, a tornati is what we call like a Sunday feast when everyone comes to together. You know, one family will bring the chop suey, someone will, will bring the, the, the chow mein or the raw fish, you know, and then everyone has a little bit to bring. And it's been, you know, a, a great way to get, pe- you know, the family together, but also very aware that, you know, not everyone can, can, can bring something. You know, so if someone is, 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 is on a lower budget, you know, and they can't really, you know, buy something, you say, well, you know, just buy the ice cream cones for the kids' ice cream, uh-huh. you know, you know, so they're, they're not feeling like they're contributing to, to, to the event, you know, and that's just how we know um, life there, you know, um, growing food was something my dad always did. You know, and, and, and the fruit and veg, he always had that going. It was just so natural to pick fresh things you take for granted when all of a sudden you've got to buy it. <laughs> so when, when, do you, when do you remember kind of starting cooking or, or working with food at home? Because my earliest memory 
is that whole thing like you know loads of kids in the UK it would be peeling spuds or at Christmas time it would peeling sprouts and putting the kind of little cross on the bottom so that you know I, I'm, I'm hoping yours is going to be far more glamorous I'm than that say glamorous um, I, I you know on like I said on a Sunday when they do the what happens is um, they do a mess, massive fire and, and they use uh, volcanic rocks in this fire um, and normally all the, the uncles and that or the cousins big cousins are, are doing it so they make this fire and everyone's getting ready to go to, go to church and then when the fire dies down, you pull the rocks off and then they put, you know, like half a pig into it, the mm. vegetables uh, wrapped in banana leaves uh, into it, you know, and everything depending on how quick or how long they take to cook, you know, and then the lighter veg and everything as it goes further out. And then that's then covered with more rocks, more banana leaves, uh, you know, and then sacks and it's left to steam and roast at the same time. Uh, what I used to do was I used to run off and pick ripe banana and then I go up to, to one of the uncles of that and ask them to bake it for me. <laughs> so they used to teach me how to bake uh, this banana in banana leaves uh, on, on, on this big umu or the, this uh, big fire pit. I mean, I think if you're listening to kind of this episode of Green Now and you're thinking my, uh, my early recollection of peeling spuds for my mum on a Sunday or doing crosses on the bottom of sprouts, probably just edges yours. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We've all done the spuds, though. I mean, I've burnt my fair amount of, of potatoes, you know, as, as, as a child because, you know, I'd be responsible for, for putting them on. Yeah. And then I run outside and play and forget about it. <laughs> but, but, that, but that technique sort of keeps cropping up in your life, which, you know, I, I'll store that thought because I know that, that that whole kind of... It, cooking underground and that deep cooking is something that you know that, that you're still massively passionate about yes, now but yeah. I'll hold that thought so when you when you were at school when you were growing up when did you hit the point where food became possibly something that you were going to do and, and in our culture the girls are, are taught to cook um from a very young age as the backbone of of supporting a family um, like I always swear, you know, my brothers can cook because they'd starve otherwise. You know, they're, they're big boys, <laughs> yeah. so they're, and they're good cooks now. You know, um, but um, I remember I was sort of um, around 16, uh, 17, You know, um, I was uh, working in, in a golf club, so helping out in, in the kitchen and that. Uh, and then I started my diploma in tourism because I, you know, travel was something that I always wanted to to do. And the first thing we did was walk into the, the the kitchen to spend time, you know, training your first certificate as a chef. And for me, it was like the light came on. It's like, yeah. oh my word, this is exactly what I'm meant to be doing. Uh, I never looked back since. It's funny, you know, almost, I can say almost without exception, everybody that's been on grilling, and myself included as the host of it, that's it, isn't it? I think if you if you don't get that, then you think that just okay. seems really weird. Is anyone who's never worked, yeah. yeah, do anyone who's yeah. never worked in yeah. industry, you, yeah. you, when you sort of think if you ever walk into an industrial kitchen, you think this is chaos and terrifying. Yeah. Whereas all of us on every sort of different level goes, wow, this is where I'm meant to yeah. be. Yeah. You know, and it's whether it's about seeing the food or it's the chaos or it's the clatter of noise or there's just something about it, that whole. I remember, for me, I like that feeling that everybody was on the brink in a good way. Yeah, you know, it's like when you're in service yes, and you can and kind of see that everyone is kind of like thinking, I've got to hold this together because we're really, really busy. And I am, I am one more check away from losing yeah. it. And I just remember thinking, God, I love this. Yeah. That I, buzz, that I love it, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So from when, so you walked in there and you thought, right, this is it. I, I honestly, I had walked in and it was like uncovering a magician yeah. uh, in in the kitchen, and there was just so many things I wanted to be able. to How, do. how big was the kitchen yeah. that you that you walked into then? Oh, it was, it was a fair size. It was a pretty decent, uh, you know, quite a fancy um, um, training kitchen that 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 we had, but um, it was also run with a hotel uh -huh. back then. Um, you know, so you know they'd send. The, the students into this. I mean, I think that's great training, isn't it? Definitely. They'd the send best. the students into the hotel to help with events, you know. So we were going in to do, you know, massive dinners for 2,000 covers, and that was your part of your training, wow. you know. So from my early part of it, you were getting caught in the hype, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know, I don't know, I think it was all. <laughs> Eight, 19, you know, when you've come across dry ice, you know, yeah, sort of yeah, thing, yeah, yeah. and the whole room is covered in the dessert, it looks like it's, it's floating, you know. Um, and, oh, gosh, you know, it's just even talking about it now, I think when you found your niche and where you fit yeah. in, uh, it's, it's the most wonderful thing you can find. And so how was it split then? So you were studying 
and then helping out and then it was also part of your call. So yeah. how much time are you actually physically getting to be in a kitchen? In a kitchen, about four days a week. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. Four days a week in the kitchen and then you'd be doing these events. But I was also working, you know, part time yeah. uh, in, 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 in a golf club, you know, um, and then moved into a restaurant, Timothy's, right. uh, when I finished my, my training. Um, and then from there then started competing in cooking competitions. So tell us about Timothy's then, because it, it's, 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 it's another of those pivotal points. So, so you yeah. get a diploma, you're like, yeah. you know, your, your world is going to be a chef. That's kind yeah. of decided. Well, he was, it was actually my, my chef tutor's restaurant. Okay. Yeah, and he was looking for a young commie. He, he had just uh, a commie. Were, were you brilliant at college? It, you, it, don't, you don't need to kind of put yourself down. You don't sit there and go, no, I was all right. Because you know, if you're, you know, were you one of the kind of like high-flying students, do you think? I, I know I enjoyed it. Yeah. I, you know, for me, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I think it was the first time ever everything else came second. Right. You know, all of a sudden, it was all I wanted to do. It didn't matter. My friends and family, everyone were out. Um, and that was fine with me. You know, I'd be the last one there at midnight because <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. when you finish work, yeah. you know. Um, and, and it was just so exciting to come out from, from, from a kitchen. So yeah. I suppose a bit we miss here because you're now in New Zealand, aren't you? Yeah. I've actually missed that bit. So <laughs> how did the move from Samoa to New Zealand happen? Mum and dad moved um, uh, because of, you know, we, they wanted a better life for us. Yeah. It was tough in, 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 in Samoa. Um, so they went first and then my sister and I followed uh, a couple of years later. Okay. And, uh, yeah, you know, it was a different world completely coming from Pacific Island where, you know, it was very hot, ran around before we played cricket in the rain and no one got cold to suddenly, you know, having to learn uh, a new language. You know, I found the smells of the food very difficult to adjust to Yeah, as well. My brothers, not so much, you know, they ate everything, but to, you know, things like, you know, they'd have, you know, add sugar to cereal, which I still think is a disgusting thing to do. Um, and, and, and I think, you know, just naturally having sweet fruits, you know, was, yeah. was, was how I, you know, Know, connected with, with sweet uh, in, in food. So it was all that. But, you know, the, the fresh produce, you know, the uncle showing up with fish, um, yeah. uh, you know. The, the well, you, you, you still won't have a freezer, will you? Is that true? No. Sorry? You still don't like frozen stuff, yeah. do you? With the exception of things like yeah. ice cream. But... Bread. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You yeah, make yeah, a sourdough, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. that can go in the freezer. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I think, you know, it's the, it's the texture. Yeah. You know, once you know the texture of fresh fish, uh, and produce. There's there's no way to change into no. into something lesser than that. You know is the no. issue. When in saying that, I know that, you know nowadays you've got amazing frozen produce that are instantly frozen. Look at scallops and that that you can get yeah. these days. But I I always prefer to to eat fresh. And also quite fortunate that that where we are, um, you know we've got a great butchers and and the little fishmongers yeah. you know that you can get to. Yeah. Okay. That gap that I missed. So now, so Timothy's then, right? Yes. So it's your, it's your tutor's restaurant. It was my tutor's restaurant back then. And he needed a, a, a young um, commie chef and uh, asked me if I'd be interested. And I jumped at it, you yeah. know, uh, at the opportunity, you know. And, you know, back then it was only when there was only two of you in the kitchen, <laughs> and, yeah. you know, in a kitchen porter. And how, yeah. how many covers? I, I think we were doing up to maybe 40, 50 covers right, okay. on, on in, the, yeah. in, in, in the weekend and, and lunches were a bit quieter, you know. So I was very fortunate that, that with Steve, with Stephen, um, you know, I was getting a bit more training, you know, uh, once I'd, I'd finished that. Um, and and what, what style of food was it? Well, you know, <laughs> back then in the 90s, it was fine dining as yeah, you yeah, could yeah. get, you know. Do you remember the carrots that you used to do into flowers at yeah, the end? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, it was it was a good way to, 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 to get your foot into, into, a, into a decent kitchen back then. Um, you know, but then he started training me for competitions. He asked if I was uh, interested in, in trying, and I did, and then found I had a knack for it, mm -hmm. um, and went on for a few years to represent New Zealand in Oceania. And so what, what makes a good competition chef? I think, you know, it's, it's like being in the kitchen. It's the thriving on it, yeah. um, you know, uh, and, and from, it was that adrenaline during the competition. And, and the competitions I did, uh, a lot of them were magic boxes, they were called. Uh -huh. Where, you know, you didn't know the ingredients until you walked in, and you had to create a three-course menu. I don't know, I think it was an hour and a half or something like that for yeah. four people, you know. Um, and then I always remember being told three things um, that I had to stick to, and it was uh, time, taste, and presentation. Those are the okay. most three things that I had to keep in, in, in my mind, you know. <laughs> so, you know, the timing of the competition, yeah. when the dishes were due, tasting, and, of course, final presentation uh, uh, at the end. And those were constantly drilled into me. Because it's very daunting 
competition. I mean, like, you know, we'll come on to MasterChef later on, but I think, you know, I know from some of my team that I've been to competition in the past, you can crumble. It's very different to service. I, almost, I think the thing that my, a lot of my guys have always struggled with is that what they love about being a chef is being part of a team and you're one cog in it. Whereas, yeah. like, when you're in a competition and all of a sudden it is you, they almost hit a bit of self-doubt. And maybe there's a bit of resilience when you when you're a competition chef, you maybe have to have that kind of complete and utter forthright brain to go right. Okay, you know yeah. what? I'm, I'm having this. Um, yeah, but also I think when I started these competitions, there was only myself and the head chef in the kitchen, right. so I was kind of used to just working alone yeah. a lot, and I, uh, I I didn't know any different. And you know, when I first started training, um, I'd be training on my own. So Stephen would, you know set a box off uh and then i'd come in maybe three hours before my shift started and just create something before he arrived and then he'd come and check it sort of thing or he'd set the box and go home and i'd do it in the evening sort yeah. of thing you know um so i was always alone um so going into a, a competition you know um for me it was exciting to have other chefs competing yeah, yeah, yeah. next to me but then it started combining with my other love, which was travel, you know, um, that the better I was doing meant, you know, I got to travel. So, you know, started going to Australia quite a bit, um, came to, to, to Europe. We went to, to America for wow. training uh, via to, on the way to Switzerland. You know, so this was, you know, my dream <laughs> happening. It was food and travel. So when, um, you're, when you're competing for New Zealand... Are you still in isolation, or are you then as a team? <laughs> no, I, yeah, no, you, it was just you representing. So okay. it was just one person, you know, in that team um, coming through. And how successful were you? Massively. I would say massively. I did good. You know, I did good. <laughs> um, I, I did good. And then, you know, I just I, I got to a point where I felt like I, I wanted to learn more. Um, yeah. And then to do that, I had to leave and, and maybe see. Um, outside and were you still Zealand. working at Timothy's right the way through? Oh, no. Okay, um, right, okay. Yeah, I so, mean, so how long were you at yeah, Timothy's for? I, I don't know. I think maybe a couple of years. Okay. And then from there, I ended up in, in, in a hotel um, and then a couple of years in another smaller restaurant. Uh, and I was still competing every time I, 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 I changed jobs. I kept, I kept going. So in your mind, how old are you at this point now, Monica? About 21. Okay, so you're still 22, a very, very young chef. Yeah, so yeah. In, in your mind at that age, then did you kind of know where you wanted to be? Had you sort of decided what kind of chef you wanted to be? Yeah, I mean, you know, I loved New Zealand. I, I, I always saw, you know, this great little restaurant maybe on, on the waterfront in Wellington, yeah. um, which was mine, you know, and mum and dad would be super proud to drive yeah. past and say, that's our daughter's place. Yeah. Uh, never in my mind would I thought I'd settle in London. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I, I I came to London back in 97 for the first time um, as part oh, of my was that training. competing? I was competing in, in Switzerland. And okay. So before that, we did a trip to London. Oh, my word. When I got here and I got on the train to, to, to go to Paris, it was the most amazing thing. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, you know, coming from New Zealand, I was so isolated, yeah. uh, so far from, from anything else, to suddenly be able to get on a, on a, on a train and, and end up in Paris was, was amazing. And I just thought, you know, this is just so wonderful. Um, went home, saved some money, and that was when I made the move in 99. Okay, so, so, so 97, and 97, luckily, British food was actually all right by then. <laughs> <laughs> Still very hard to get good produce in a supermarket. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. very much. Yeah. I'm sort of thinking like, you know, we opened in 1990, our first place, and it's sort of in those next sort of five years, you felt like, you know, British cuisine, suddenly we, we started going, okay, we're kind of, realizing that the uk had great produce but you're right the supermarkets still didn't yeah but as a as a yeah. restaurateur then you, yeah. you, you kind of get good stuff so when you came in 97 did you eat anywhere was there anywhere that you ate and thought this is amazing and i you know we, you know we were trying you know local places the friends that that i was with you yeah. know and uh you know, just going you know, to, to, to a pub, you know, doing the whole tourist thing was yeah. just amazing. I yeah. was sold on it. I was like, this is just the best. And then funnily enough, when I did move back, I think it was, you know, it's a good six months before I could get to, another, <laughs> to a restaurant. <laughs> when you went to the pub, because um, one, of, one of my favourite chefs who I've ever employed was an Aussie guy. Um, when he sort of first, he, he, he didn't sort of start with us, but he said when he first moved over and all of his mates went to a pub and they, and they bought him a pint of bitter, 
And he said he, he basically threw up. He said the taste of kind of warm, soapy beer was not something that anybody from Australia or New Zealand yeah. is ever going to want to have. And he said till to this day, he actually has never managed to do no, it. No, I don't think so. Um, no, but, you know, it was, you know, the, the prawn, you know, on the side of the little pubs that you got the little cute restaurant. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That, and you get the, the prawn cocktails yeah. and, and that, you know, it was just so wonderful. So it? that was the thing that made you decide to come to London. <laughs> yeah. so, so, so a bad prawn cocktail in a, in a little pub. In that, a little the side, it's like oh, I've got to come here. This is this is like, the future of my career. Have you been to New Zealand? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like half four on 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 a Sunday. They start packing the tables away while you sit. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Hospitality wasn't something that existed you know, back then. Um, they start packing everything away while you're still drinking your flat white. Yeah. Um, but in saying that, we no one had a flat yeah. white in 1997, no. <laughs> Monica. Not 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 even not even in London. Oh, no one knew what a flat white the was. Worst coffee. Oh, gotta say, yeah. the coffee was bad here. Yeah, yeah. We don't have filter coffee oh i think uh, you know when i moved over i stopped drinking coffee uh, <laughs> it took me maybe a good you know, eight years before i could drink coffee again wow um, I, I, well i'll tell you i'll tell you i'll tell you my story um so when i was um when i'd finished my gcse's when i was 16 i didn't really want to go onto a levels didn't know what i want to do and my dad had just been made redundant and we'd been on holiday to italy sort of the previous summer. So my dad said, I don't know what to do. I kind of quite fancy opening a business. So I said, why don't we, this is, bear in mind, this is 1979, right? So I said to my dad, why don't we open up um, a, how, a coffee shop like we saw in Italy? Then? I was 16. Why don't we open up a coffee shop um, like we saw in Italy and we could do really beautiful sandwiches, just do, you know, really nice sandwiches. And so people sit in. I found a site in Chester, which had like, you know, great kind of uh, people that could come there. So um, and my dad, if you're listening, Dad, I tell a story a lot, and I apologise for saying it once again. So my dad said to me, he goes, whoa, there's no money in coffee and sandwiches, son. No, Dad! <laughs> oh. So there you go. So, you wow, know, can you imagine if he had done that? I know, imagine. Wow. Imagine. Anyway, so right, okay. So, I was so, so waiting for you to say, and that's when. Exactly, yeah, yeah. No, no, unfortunately not. And that's when I originated Presa Mange and Starbucks, <laughs> and I sold them out when I was 19, At and now 90. I just do this for fun. Take that, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so all right, so so you decided then ninety seven was was the the change. We go right, okay. I need to kind of do. It. I mean, I yeah. think everybody from the southern hemisphere. It seems so many of you have a wanderlust. Yes. Where you almost feel I need to kind of I need to find out where what landmass there is beyond yes. kind of Southeast Asia. Yeah, uh, quite a few of us, you know, go through <laughs> yeah that migration process to discover ourselves. Uh, we call it our big OE. Okay. Um, our overseas experience. Oh, well, yeah, I like that. Uh, you're going on your OE, yeah. So where? So how did you then come about getting work? Um, so I, I I left and I was travelling through the Channel Islands, uh-huh. um, and I was going to do something like seven weeks uh, through France and then end up working in Holland. So I knew that was going to take maybe eight, nine months in total. And I wanted to have something set up by the time I got back to London. Yeah. You know, I'm a bit of a planner that way. So I wanted to be sure once all of that was done, when I came to London, I had a job ready to go. So I sent CVs off to, to everyone, you know, to, to Raymond, uh, to, to, to Waterside. And Michelle was the first to reply. Wow. First to reply. And I took it, um, you know, uh, it did mean sort of dropping back down to being a commie, but I didn't care at that point. You know, yeah. I just knew how difficult it was to get into these kitchens. It's pretty, pretty brilliant to not only get a reply, but to get a job offer. Yeah. Back then. Yeah. 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 But you imagine back then, you know, they had, you know, CVs coming in from yeah. all around the world. You know, there's a queue to get in. So as soon as I had that letter, I, I accepted the, the, the commie job straight away. And what away. was the first day like? Horrible. <laughs> Go on, paint, paint, paint the picture. So we, we've got this is great. We've gone, we've gone in kind of twenty five minutes. Yeah. We've gone from running around playing cricket yeah. in puddles to oh. now walking into the Gavroche kitchen saying it's horrible. Oh no! I mean, I I, I remember sort of, sort of walking in there. You know, I've always worked in, in in hot kitchens and a bit in the pastry, but I got sent straight into pastry. Um, I guess we get the girls out of the way. I don't know, but I got sent straight into pastry. And um, I remember sort of finishing up after lunch service, we were cleaning, you know, it was about half four and uh, just finishing. And, and I said to the chef, okay, was there anything else to be done? She goes, no, no, you get to go on a break. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean I get to go on a break? And she was like, well, you'll be back in an hour for dinner service. <laughs> I was like, 
what? Wow. <laughs> wow. Like, Welcome to the real world, you know. <laughs> like, wow. And were, you, were you the only female in the kitchen? No, I think there was possibly two of us at, at the time. Yeah. With Rachel Humphrey, okay. who, who is still is yeah. now executive uh, at the Gavroche. Yeah. You know, she, she's one of the oldest friends I have in the industry. Because I, I suppose it's impossible not to kind of talk about the whole nature of kind of being a female in in a high end kitchen, you know. I mean, I you know over the years I sort of think of the number of chefs that I've employed and some of the and again this sounds so patronising when we say it, but I found that every single ambitious female chef I've had has always been so hard working and so determined, almost through necessity rather than anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you think that whole thing about everyone saying you know you need to work twice as hard to prove yourself was true certainly back then? Um. I mean, back then it was, you know, it was tough, you know, and then the work, but you just, I mean, everyone's different. So, I mean, you know, whereas I wanted to be as good, if not better than the guy cooking next yeah. to me, you know, so, yeah. um, and, and I was also, you know, a bit of a tomboy growing up as well. I had two older brothers, yeah. you know, used to kick me about, um, yeah. you know, so I could take it, I guess, you know, better yeah. than, than, than others could, but I just thrived on it. You know, it was hard, um, hard work, you know, lifting But was that. it hard? I think I think the thing is, I mean, you know, I know Michelle quite well, never, ever worked for him, don't, can't imagine what his kitchens were like. But you hear so many stories of kitchens being incredibly sexist. Angela Hartner tells a great story about Gordon um, would always be, he'd send her home, her home early and he wouldn't get her to kind of like pick things up because he said, oh, no, don't get Angela's And she'd go, what the... Are you doing? I I have a word for Michelle. You never sent me home early. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the hell? <laughs> and she said how how insulting she found it. And and oh. whilst it was passive sexism, but nonetheless yeah. it was sexism. Yeah. You know, but clearly that didn't happen with you. No, I mean you had to carry them twenty kilo bags of sugar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, from like, the cereal. Yeah. <laughs> from the dry stores outside. Yeah. You would, um. Uh, yeah. You mean, but then if you wanted help, you could ask for it. Yeah. But it was sort of just as it was changing. I found you know back in in ninety nine coming to two thousand, it was acceptable to ask for 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 help. Yeah. You know, and and rightly you know the chef would say, "Don't be stupid. Get someone to help you to to lift that." heavy pan yeah you know whereas before as a macho guy can pick up this big stock pot on yeah. his own um sort of thing and you could see that change happening as for being um women in, in the kitchen i think that you know yes the pads and, and you kind of feel like you have to be as strong i just felt like i you know i wanted to be as strong yeah you know that was yeah. the, the thing i was like I'm, i am able you know it's been i've had a few injuries in the kitchen from yeah. trying to be a hero like that and we all know what happens to heroes these yeah. days but you've got to go through the motions to learn the hard yeah, way. Yeah, you know? yeah, 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 100%. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, and um, and then it was just, you know, the 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 quality of what we were doing, yeah. you know, to the ingredients that, that we were dealing with, you know. So how big a change was that? I mean, obviously, you competed, you've worked in good places, you've worked in hotels. But let's face it, you know, you, you're there in 1999 working in... <sighs> It's still now one of the greatest restaurants, full stop. And did you, did you, precious maybe the wrong thing, but were you aware of that quality that, wow, this is a different level to anything I've ever experienced? I thought I was aware yeah. until I set foot in that kitchen. Yeah. And I actually felt like everything I'd learned before was nothing. Wow. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I honestly, I thought everything I'd learned, you know, the, the six, seven years before I'd set foot in that kitchen uh, was nothing. And I felt like, you know, I just started fresh. Um, wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, to the to the care and the quality of of what you worked with, you know, but also th things like the, the self-respect for yourself. Mm hmm. Um, you know, you sit in the kitchen, you when set foot in the kitchen, you know, and you get looked up and down. If you didn't iron your trousers, you were kicked out the kitchen to go and iron, you know. Um, so you took pride in how you looked. Yeah. You know, that's how it starts, you know, the, the guys, you know, being sent out to shave if they hadn't shaved, you know. And now and then, so I can imagine Michelle's nightmare when the beard fiasco started. You know, that, that trend on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you imagine. He must have hated Hipsterville. He really, really You know, he has a, a short beard, you know, like yeah, you're just yeah, quite. Yeah. Neat, but you imagine these massive hairy guys yeah. showing up in his kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> no, but 
as long as you were neatly presented. But, you know, to how you work, you know, to even how you're been on the table, if, you know, yeah. you know um, and, and that and to, you know, wastage, food waste, you know, yeah. why it was important not to, you know, everything was checked, you know, anything that could be recycled and used in another way or into stuff food or into a, into another dish and it just got you to become more imaginative about how you use these things how um, quickly do you think it took from kind of going in there to kind of almost subconsciously you just became a gavroche chef where where that that whole process just becomes part of your life you don't even think about it whereas in those early days oh mustn't forget to iron my stuff mustn't forget to blah blah yeah, blah yeah. no matter how determined you are i think it was very instant yeah. because the checks that they did on yeah. everything you know there was always maybe the sous chef uh, you know coming through to to check everything i mean you know at first it was what do you think you're doing yeah. and, you know he's lifting up your your canapes or you know yeah. tasting and and they're, and they're just binning things because a quail leg was a touch too firm um you know put that to stuff food and you're like i just peeled 80 quail eggs (laughs) you know um sort of sort of thing to to the to the darkness of the caramel you just made you know um sort of thing uh you know but then the best thing is making the classic ta-ta-ta you know by albiru yeah. You know, then for me, it's still the best way to have a ta ta ta. The way it, you know, the, the butter and the sugar caramelizes. Yeah. You know, when it just bubbles over, and the pastry is chewy and yeah. uh, and 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 golden. You know, to the, the skill. I mean, the butchery. When you you've got to earn the right to butcher, <laughs> and wow. you've got to earn the right to fill it. You know, you've got to be good enough before you get to touch any. So of that. how long? So what, what what was your progression then? So you start as a commie there in ninety nine. Yeah. So what uh, was your progression so through the rush? In through to two thousand. Uh, the, the the first year I went from the pastry to running the starter section, uh, the the canapé section, and then ended up on the running the starter section wow. um, within a year. Wow! And then in the in my second year, uh, then went on to cook the fish to then the meat section uh, in in my second year to to. I mean, that's pretty meteoric. In the yeah, yeah, it was, it, was, it was quite full on, um, you know. But as I said, I, I just thrived on it. Yeah, you know, uh, fright is scary. Like you, you're nervous. Yeah, but at the same time, you want it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, because if you didn't, someone else is going to take your place. And I, yeah. and I guess as well that you know, at, at the end of the day, that that family are never going to put somebody in a position they don't think they can do it. Yeah. You know, they, they're giving you that opportunity to succeed rather yeah. than saying, right, okay, we're going to throw you a little bit too early because we think you might fail here. I can't imagine that that's ever going to be the case. Yeah, but I think when you're so young and you're in that, you know, all you see is is this and you're yeah. like, you know, uh, oh, my yeah. God, can I do this? Can I get through it? Oh, you know, and you're, you're running a section and a lot of the time, you know, the people I was working with didn't speak any English. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I, and these are wonderful things about kitchens, isn't it? I had yeah. a Japanese uh, guy in there, Utah. Um, you know, uh, we had uh, a couple of boys uh, from Jamaica in there, yeah. uh, proper Rastafarians. You know, the to the French and Italians, and that was the the madness that 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 created a kitchen. You know, all these different people of same love for the same thing coming together to to create that. You know, um, and it's just an amazing buzz that that you get. It's funny because I, I I say this a lot about hospitality. I think that you know, for all the kind of criticism that our industry gets, again coming back to those sort of first days when you work in it, nobody gave a damn in hospitality where you were from, what your sexual orientation was, what your political, economic, religious background was. Hospitality, I think, has always been that tremendous egalitarian mix of going like, listen, if you're good enough, I don't give a damn about anything else about you. And I think that that is one of the greatest things about about the the best bits of our industry. I think, you know, that has been the most wonderful part of it. And, you know, like I say, I love to travel and I love food. Sometimes you didn't need to because they were all there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. um, you've got someone you're having a conversation about someone on one side, you know, about South Korea, you know, someone who's just, you know, uh, arrived from from Japan, for yeah. example, um, you know, and then you're all wanting the same thing, and yes. it was in that kitchen, you know, so you all connected, even with the barriers of of, of language. I mean, I I've worked sections, you know, with, with lads from from France who didn't work. You you know, speak a word of English, or I've run sections with lads from Italy, didn't speak a word of English. 
which to the point, detriment to myself, I, I have a phonetic ear now. So if I'm talking to someone uh-huh. now yeah. in my kitchen who's Italian, you know, I, I still think, you know, right, and you, you slow down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, start yeah. slowing down yeah. and, and I change a little bit because you know, to, to, then they could understand me better. Yeah. You know? And yeah. everyone laughs, like, you know, you know, in my family, they crack up if I, yeah. if I meet someone from France. <laughs> so, but it's, you know, from these damned kitchens, <laughs> you know. Um, so, ah, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's such a wonderful love in the kitchen that I don't think gets talked about enough. I we, agree. we they always like to shine a light about the negative things about how oh, was it tough being a woman in there? You know, was it hard? Did you experience racism? You know, I was yeah. like, what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, you know, we when you love creating as a chef yeah food brings the world together you know there's the language right there yeah you know i think like i say something it's like that moment when i walked into a kitchen and i knew that was what i was going to do that's what happens when you're in it with a team of people and it never stops that does it no you know i I was saying to you before we started doing this here my my first restaurant greens was 31 the other week and still to this day, when I walk into that kitchen, if I walk into the kitchen just after the, the veg one has been, you know, we're a veggie restaurant, watching my team absolutely destroy the box of stuff like a swarm of bees because they're waiting for exciting yes. produce to come in and then go to their sections. It, it, even now it's all about it. It sends a shiver down my yeah. spine because it's, it's the greatest thing. It really is. I mean, I still walk in there and I, and I say, who needs a hand? And I've always get the throne the freaking artichokes come my way. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, no, yeah. no one they're likes always, that job They're ever. always the last things yeah. I get prepped in the corner of the, of the kitchen. And I swear my lot, like, look at the road and say, all right, chef is in today. We'll just get artichokes and stick it in the corner. We're just going <laughs> to see them when she walks in. And and I, it doesn't bother me, you yeah. know. And honestly, I, I quite enjoy it, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. because, you know, oh my God, that's nothing, you know. 20 artichokes in my kitchen is nothing to the eight boxes Michelle used to get me on a Monday or Wednesday morning, you know, yeah. and you had to get them done by 11 yeah. um, sort of thing. So it's a joy. So good for then. So, so you're, you're up to meet. You've done two years. You've, you've had this meteoric kind of rise. What happens next? Um, I went from that to, I think in my third year, I, I got um, sous chef um, yeah. there, um, you know, but then... On there, you start learning the proper butchery. Michelle yeah. sent me away to do some training abroad. Yeah. So I did, uh, I think it was a month, four weeks, um, in the Petitri Mier in Paris. Uh-huh. Wow. It's where Michelle Roussinia trained. Wow. Um, yeah. You know, it's just fantastic training to to, to go and, and, and actually witness a, a masterpiece yeah. um, in, in Paris. Just amazing. And then I did four weeks in, in south of France uh, with the Alain Loca. Yeah. Uh, it was just amazing, you know, the training. But that's what they invest in you when yeah. you invest in them. Um, you know, and then, of course, when you're learning the butchery, you know, you're being taught by, by Michelle and, and Chef Jockey at the, at the time. But um, you're trying to keep up with them. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like yeah. you get like, you know, five baby lambs hanging in front of you, you know, and I don't know, two sides of venison and everything is butchered on, on, the, on the spot. So first they show you how it's done and they just, they just, you know, and that's what I mean. That's the fun part yeah. as well. And then they just wind you up because, you know, <laughs> it's like, come on, Kiwi, is it, come on, you, it's, come on, you can do this. You can get faster. And they're like, or they look over and they're like, you're not done yet, you know? And, and that was just, you know, that fun, you know, you're knackered. You you were there and there's your fourth double or, or something, yeah. but you're just enjoying it because that's you know you, how you you know and the banter that goes on in yeah. in, in, in in the kitchen yeah. is, is is like no other. All right, we'll, we'll take a we'll take a break from your life and we'll go into sort of one of our little fun bits of it. Where I mean, let, let's talk barbecues. I mean, we've we've talked at it, or outdoor cooking. So we talked about you know those early days when you're kind of you know when you're you're cooking huge kind of bits of animal underground so the outside kind of cooking thing do you barbecue of course i barbecue i come from new zealand you know it's like i think i've got three <laughs> in the house yeah. do, you, do you have a favorite time here because i i have this whole thing where i keep saying all the time that i really like i like outdoor cooking in the winter oh that's nice yeah yeah i think there's just something nice about kind of you know the air's a little bit more moist and there feels something i don't know maybe it's a primal thing where you go 
I have cooked, I have made something outside, I shall bring in the cave <laughs> for my family. You know, while they're sort of staying in the warm. I, I do hate the cold, but um, well, what has been great is, you know, the hubby has learned how to to use the outside grill and everything uh, over the years. So I've got somewhere like a commie I can send out into yeah. the cold. <laughs> and if I'm out there, it's probably because, you know, we've got a fire pit going and my daughter and I want to have marshmallows out in the yeah, cold. Yeah, yeah. That's always nice to yeah. do. Yeah. Well, we do, we do a little barbecue and a where we ask everyone the same question. So do you have a favourite outdoor cooking barbecue in memory? A favourite outdoor cooking? Yes. Um, it would be with my dad, my mm-hmm. family, uh, Christmas, obviously. Um, you know, so our Christmas is in the summer. Yeah. So that's why we always have barbecues. But um, whereas some people, you know, um, they have drums, chicken drumsticks, my dad would marinate turkey drumsticks. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he used to, to marinate them in, in, in garlic, beer, and soy overnight. You know, lots of garlic uh, in there. And, and you can imagine he's pierced them. That, and that's what he'd cook gently uh, over the barbecue, just a whole line of, of God, turkey that's drumsticks. Amazing. Yeah. So I remember one year at the Gavoche, they had turkey for something and they had the drumsticks left over. Yeah. <laughs> and I took them. And I think Michelle walked past and I'm sitting in the staff room with this massive turkey <laughs> drumstick. <laughs> and he was like, all right, hungry kiwi. <laughs> that, that is so nice. Though. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that, that, that is, and I think that that's, that's where I like barbecue. I like that end of it. I yeah. like kind of bigger bits cooked slowly. Yeah, I don't absolutely. get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with the with the burger off a barbecue, but using the flames and using the heat and using yeah. it like an oven, I think yeah. is, is the way to go on it. That's, that's the fun yeah. part of it, and yeah. then a nice pizza oven to to go with it. As yeah, well. that it's is just... that is also a big yeah. help. Have you ever done anything really ambitious? We've had well, but it it worked out though. We had um, I bought one. You know the the barbecue the proper massive lid that goes over and then and you can spike like a suckling pig onto it yeah yeah so nice. I actually yeah so i've got one and i thought i'm gonna do this you know because yeah, yeah, you know because yeah, yeah. at home we do pig yeah yeah <laughs> so I, I got this just this. for the three of you yeah <laughs> i know, right? I know. <laughs> um and, and i got it and then i bought the attachment and it works yeah so, you know, you, you, you got the sucking pig and it was just slowly roasting, you wow. know, and then, you, oh, it was the best thing ever. Oh, yeah, the smell must be nice. amazing as well. Very nice, you know. But um, someone culture, we, we're all about sort of sharing food and that. I remember, you know, every time you had a barbecue or a big uh, Sunday lunch, uh, mum and dad doing a plate for the neighbours and yeah. we'd be sent around to drop food to to the neighbors it's just yeah. what you do you know and for us it's also rude if someone comes over that you don't offer them something to eat you right know, um with a cup of tea or something. yeah um so even now like if we do a barbecue at home especially lockdown you know i'll, I'll be going around to the neighbors to offer them yeah. food because it's just what i know you know otherwise we were, everyone was eating you, too much during lockdown yeah. as well imagine yeah. if, I, if i was if i, if I was your neighbors they're going monica's having a barbecue don't bother going to the shops today you know what she's like oh here's the knock on the door as you, as you open the door with your plates ready and i was like uh, i was like oh, dorothy do you like prawns <laughs> i've got some prawns in them would you like something she's like oh okay all right <laughs> and, and any disasters i mean i can't imagine you know it, this, so there's some chefs that we have on you think i can't ask about disasters but any barbecue and disasters disaster very disaster yes Brand new, brand new uh, barbecue. It was actually my husband's disaster, but I, 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 I take the fall for it too because I didn't explain it to him properly. And um, he, it's you know the the ones that go up extreme heat and it can smoke. Yeah. Um. So I, I was telling him about it and left him to it, but he closed it. Yeah. Uh, was it? And it actually set on fire. <laughs> the whole thing set wow. on fire on on it. So that was quite frightening. Wow. Yeah. That that's kind of that is that is quite a nice one. And if if you were gonna give somebody somebody who's not great at barbecue and a tip that sort of says right if you're gonna barbecue don't ever forget x i would say to make sure that it's clean yeah <laughs> you know um and then you know just taking for me i you know like a a, a cloth or something dip that in oil and brush it over you know wipe yeah. the barbecue down with it as opposed to squirting oil yeah. <laughs> you know over the meat or you know you yeah. see people do that you know squirt like, no yeah you know and then there's you get a taste of fuel otherwise isn't yeah it? yeah so yeah. I like it all right now the the the, the second bit we have of our barbecue um is that um, you have 45 seconds to sell me a dish. So you can have any cut of meat, fish, or vegetables. You need some kind of rub or a marinade, and you need some kind of a side dish. It could be absolutely anything at all, but you've got to sell it to me in 45 seconds. We've had some 
amazing. In fact, Michelle did do a pretty damn fantastic one, I've got to be honest. He might be. I'm looking at Ben, my producer. Is Michelle the best, do we Which think, ben? so far? <laughs> no, he's saying no. Um, I think it, it was one of the best. I mean, Gok Wans actually was like some kind of like hardcore kind of chat line when he did his, because he, he properly sold it to me in a kind of very saucy way. So Ooh, no pressure. Okay. Are you ready? Anything on the barbecue? Anything at all. You can, yeah. So you've got 45 seconds to tell me the dish and talk me through it. <laughs> I wish wow. you could see Monica's face. Yeah, yeah. Because this is, this Bring is, it on. this is the Bring look of somebody on. under pressure. Okay. <laughs> uh, on your marks, get set, go. Uh, really large flat fish, like uh, a turbot, score it, you know, rub in, you know, lemon, uh, the zest of some orange, some herbs, lots of citrus fruit. Get that in a really hot tray into the barbecue side dish. For me, I would shave some beautiful fresh fennel, some orange through that, maybe a hint of coffee, uh, you know, lemon juice, olive oil, salt and pepper. So it's only twenty five seconds, but you know, I, I know I'm gonna I'm gonna have that. That, that does actually that does actually that does actually sound really really delicious. It's that thing is it about outside cooking because I, no matter how much I love the kind of the cooking process of it, the social side of it. Oh, almost feels that isn't that's it? the difference. And, isn't and, it? and like I say, like a big fish like that is something I would have on a barbecue. Yeah. And then just put it in front of everyone yeah. with a lot of sides, you know, and then that, and that's easy to go. It's the yeah. one that people people get really scared putting a whole fish on the barbecue because they always have that thing where it sticks. Mm. That's the thing that everybody gets a little bit paranoid about. What's your tip for stopping that then? And for me, honestly, yeah. like, you know, a, a rag you know yeah. cloth you know dipped in oil and really rub that onto onto the barbecue yeah. so that it's not going to stick and even a little bit more onto the fish yeah and you know fish it's going to cook very quickly you shouldn't be leaving it on there yeah. until it's and i love the smell the smell there. of kind of fish cooking on mm. flames is just that well fish cooking full stop is just the best yeah and, and but failing outside. that they could just yeah. do it you know like a papillon tin foil couldn't they yeah yeah yeah, yeah. which would be lovely all right brilliant I, I love that okay so we've, we've got to you sort of being pretty important to the to the Rue family <laughs> so when and why did you decide it was it was time to go on your own because you, you basically you were with them right the way through until you opened me uh, Mary. It's, yeah, Mary. Mary. Yeah. No, it's, it's my mom's name. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd been and I'd left uh, a couple of times, a bit like, you know, your chefs who, yeah, yeah. who'd gone away. Uh, and also um, after we went to Mauritius to open Gavroche there back in 2004. How was that? Did that feel a bit like, I'm sorry, this sounds very, very ignorant, but it's, did it feel a bit like kind of going back to climate, if nothing else, that you were kind of going home-ish? Yes, a little bit. Um, but the only difference was on this home, a majority of them spoke Creole or French. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. So I had, to, I had to pick up pretty quickly, you know. To Is it hard getting produce in Mauritius? Because everybody's... Very hard. Yeah. It was hard. Yeah. I mean, you've got the local growers and that, but, you know, the consistency isn't what you know, yeah. you know, just depending on little farmers and, and, and people. Yeah. A lot of it is, is imported in. Um, so we did that for a year. But when we came back, we got pregnant um, right. and we had our daughter. So, yeah. you know, I took a bit and was of time that, Was that planned? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes yeah. and no. Because we said, should we? And then we were and it was too late. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, I, well, I was exactly the same. Yeah. You know, we do all sort of said, yeah, at some point I want to have kids. Yeah. I don't know what it's going to be. Yeah. Let's be honest. I think in, in our world, yes. then there's never going to be time to go, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm oh, going to give it. up my career for a little while. <laughs> I'm going to give up any money. I'm going to have a baby. Thank you. That's, yeah. that's it. Exactly. Okay. And when it did happen, I did have, yeah. I guess, a bit of a breakdown because I was like, oh my goodness, okay, what do I do now? Yeah. You know, and then when I did come back into the kitchen, I had to, you know, you know, sort of step down into back into sous chef role yeah because i wanted to spend time with my daughter of course. you know and yeah. michelle was very supportive of that but uh yeah i did leave uh in the end as it was um time to 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 leave i mean in total i've been there 12 years yeah um, which is which is a which is a long time in our industry yeah very long two years oh, is long you, these days did you did you want to leave because Thank uh, you so uh, much how much was it right willing. i've what got my daughter so i need to do something else that is different uh, to this or equally puddles if not i've gone as far as i can go of, of sort of going okay look i need to do something that is more about gap. me yeah. than them yes so it's a mix of all of that and also um i was doing much near the end there i was doing much less at the game i was there maybe three days a week to balance my my daughter and i had started the master chef as well yeah 
podcast. Uh, already, so and tell your friends about I think us too. Well, I'd gotten to a like point where it was just um, too comfortable. Sadly, that is it. For you know, it was too right, easy. Willing. Thanks to everyone at Weber for this. Which something you've clearly never liked in your life. No, no, no. Everything you've said has been about wanting to kind of like, you know, be pushing yourself. Yeah, and I wasn't doing that anymore. I think I'd settled into into a routine, which is nice if that's what you're looking for. But I felt like it was a bit stagnant for, you know, I just wasn't going anywhere anymore. I couldn't go to be head chef there, you know. Uh, at that point, uh, if I wanted to to be with my daughter, so it, I think it was time to 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 move on and, and look. And I'd always wanted our own place, yeah, you know. And to to follow through with that, I did have to leave, you know, to to step aside from it. And, and, and did you know what you wanted to do? Because what you do in your place is it, it, it's, it's beautiful, Mr. Sofu. But did you know that you needed to change? What you would... Yeah, I wanted to do what I lo- I want, okay. you know, my style of cooking, which is what I do now. You know, the 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 the, the gaff and that. You know, at the end of the day, it's Michelle's gaff. Yeah. Um, you know, he gets final say. You know, no one has ever said it's Michelle's gaff ever. Uh, before. You know, I've been here too long, isn't it? Oh my god, I'm sounding like a Brit as well. I love that. That's <laughs> brilliant. Like... Yeah, the gavroche. What, what's that? Uh, Michelle's gaff. Brilliant. That is the best line of the day. Look, he's he's like an older brother to me um, that's that's what we're like you know that's the thing but um so, so so the decision was made to leave so how difficult was it then to actually secure a place find a place find backing yeah et cetera, et cetera. i mean i i was already approached um by by some people about doing something together you know and i think these things just happen when they're meant to and uh it just happened that when that conversation started i was already thinking about yeah. You know, maybe it's time for me to to step out. But also, I, I had just lost my mom um, around then, and my my mom is, is such a huge or was a huge part of of my 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 life, and you know, was the key one that pushed me to travel. Yeah. You know, and 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 was always on the other side of the phone when when disasters and the good happened. Yeah. You know, um, and she drove me to my first job interview as a, as a chef. You know, yeah. she waited outside. To support when I was competing, you know, in competitions, I'd come out and she'd out, she'd be out there waiting with my little brother, you know. Um, so when I lost her, it just felt like, damn it, Monica, she didn't see why you left. To yeah. you know, I hadn't achieved this restaurant that you know that's all I yeah, want. You the know, re- yeah, Wellington that yeah, mum and dad drive exactly. past and say, that's aren't they proud? Yeah. yeah, yeah, you know. And I was just like, you know, she didn't get to see, you know, and that was everything, you know. That that I'd wanted her to 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 see, and I was like, "What are you doing? Wake up!" You know, and and that's that was that was the moment. Um, and I had this conversation with Michelle, you know, when when I told him and and explained to him, you know, and he was just like, you know, well, you're feeling guilty. I said, "Well, no, I should have had this done," you yeah. know. Um, so he knows all of this. When do you wish you'd done it sooner? I do and don't. Yeah. You know, I, I think, you know, the experience of being a bit older now, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, you know, and I've calmed down a lot over the years, you know, being that, that feisty young chef and, and the people managing skills, you know, those are things that, uh, you know, I've learned over the years. Um, so being a mum changed you. Massively. Yeah. Massively. I think being a dad changed yeah. me. Yeah. So you suddenly have more empathy, more care, I yeah. think, you know, you, 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 it touches a nerve in you as a parent, what, what the young ones are going through, isn't it? Yeah. Because I remember being handed my daughter when she was born, and I genuinely remember thinking, oh, my God, the world actually isn't about me. Yes, that's it. You know, yeah. and I really, really vividly remember that that yeah. sensation. Yeah. And, you know, I, I like to think I, I, I wasn't 100% self-centred, but it, it does make you realise that... You <laughs> we <know>. were. <laughs> but then I think, you know, it, it, that's something as a parent but then I think I think you're right then I think that as a people manager you then change that thing and go wow you know what this everybody can't be me yeah and everybody can't have that same passion that I do but what I want to do is give them the opportunity to to do that and I think that that's important so so when you opened yeah were all of those things sort of part of the ethos that you wanted to create as well yes but the people management I I I found really took place within the first year, isn't okay. it? Because when it's my first thing, you know, you're you're so into making it so perfect, and it's your vision, and you're you're more frustrated when people don't understand it. Um, so the stepping back from it, you know, and and learning to manage the people that you have is a separate skill, and they're actually what you need to have, and it's drawing their best out of them. 
that now I have such a sense of pride in them. Yeah. You know, when like the other night watching Albie, my, my head chef and, and Yuri, my sous chef running the kitchen and I'm there should they need me, you know, and then I kind of force myself on the chefs anyway. Oh, no, I, no, that sounds terrible. I mean, <laughs> no, but I, I completely you know, it. like, like so yeah. make nudge my way in and start plating something or start cooking or something. Um, but then I sort of step back and look at them and I just feel this huge sense of pride in yeah. them and thinking, you know, look at them go. And Albie, you know, he was like a chef de party for me at the Gavroche yeah. like eight years ago, if yeah. not more, you know, um, and, and the confidence he has now and, and what he's doing and watching him manage the team, you know, and giving him that confidence, you know, like my girls in the pastry, you yeah. know, giving them that confidence to create, you know, and come up with ideas, yeah. you know, um, it's just a wonderful thing. And I think when and you, liberating. yes, and it's a different journey, I think, uh, yeah. as, as a chef. So what's sharing next? That. Next. I'd like to sleep until 10. <laughs> um, it's, it's tough times at the moment, isn't it? Um, yeah. You know, we thought last year was tough. Yeah. It, and it was because, you know, we were in, with the lockdowns and everything. But this is a different type of tough that we're going through, you know. Um, the lack of, of uh, skilled chefs out there, the lack of chefs in, in general. You know, the excitement to come back into the kitchen in May and to create and the buzz. And, and I, I remember like stopping service or just pausing. And our first day back on May 17th this year, you know, we were in the middle, we were in the poo, caca, you know, up to our eyes. You know, yeah. guys are sort of not match ready. They've been off yeah. for six months, you know, and yeah, that's right. You do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah that goes there. That's right. That's right. Oh, <laughs> you know, yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. Horrible. And I remember stopping for 30 seconds just to do something. And I heard laughter coming from the restaurant. And I just, I was almost in tears on how beautiful that sounded yeah. and remembering what it is that we do this for. But since that moment, <laughs> you know, it's been nonstop. Fortunate that it's very busy and grateful for it. But it is tough. Uh, I've been three members of staff short since May. Yeah. You know, and then the, the, the whole issues of uh, people getting down to COVID, you know, and that you know, means two people down just puts the stress on everyone else. Yeah. And it's been so busy to the point that I now close the next day in the week just to manage people's days yeah. off you know so now we close sunday mondays yet we're still knackered <laughs> yeah yeah because yeah. we're still short you know yeah. um sort of thing uh i, I recall like uh, in august my husband and daughter surprised me took me away for my birthday for for a few days and the, the day after we had arrived i had to call back into the kitchen my head chef and three people had gone down to covid <sighs> And I, and I was like to my husband, I'm sorry, I need to go back, you know, and I was just like, yeah. you, know, you know, so, you know, having to, to cancel that to, to come back because it's your responsibility. And I know for a fact that if one more person went down, we would have had to close the restaurant, yeah. you know. And that's um, the thing, what we think we all sort of felt that we were on yeah. that kind of brink of yeah. doing it. Yeah. So, so the, the foreseeable future is let's get things back on an even keel yeah. and be able to enjoy the magnificence what do, of what yeah. we do yeah yeah you know i want to spend an evening with my daughter during the week but we're back in that madness yeah. where it's all hands on deck you know and and it's in, even though it's busy and it's great it's a stressful busy yeah, yeah you know yeah. it's yeah. it's a surviving busy yeah. as opposed to we're having a great time you know yeah. it's it's like survival at the moment well we, well we can take one one uh last little bit of kind of like magnificent free exciting time so I love this part of, of grilling. So I ask all of my guests, you're going to take me somewhere. It can be anywhere in the world. It could be a coffee shop. It could be an ice cream shack. It could be a fine dining restaurant, whatever you fancy. You are going to take me say, right, Simon, you and I have to go, blah, because where are you taking me to, Monica? I will take you to the marketplace in Lower Hutt. Okay. Uh, it's a Saturday market that ha that happens. Um, normally, I go for my my brother or my dad when when I'm there. But you want to go early. Okay. And you want to go early, and they have everything there from little shacks that that that, that sell, you know, like a crab curry. But I would take you there because my auntie has a, a store there where she makes these salmon pancakes. Wow. <laughs> you know, and uh, they're deep fried, and it's got the the coconut filling uh, on on the inside of them. You know, and then I feel bad because I know when I go, I, I go there just to buy them from her, <laughs> but she won't let me pay. <laughs> you know, so that's the thing. You know, it's it's, it's family. So what you're saying is you want to take me there because she'll let me pay. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> oh, that'd be great if she would, because <laughs> you'd be feeding my whole family. <laughs> I don't get a big family, um, you know. So, and not only that, you know, it's a sort of taste of things that I miss, like you know, the mince pies that we have in New Zealand. You know, the little pie stand, and you come back and you feel sick because I yeah. will overindulge. But I think that for me would be a great thing for you to, and you'd love it. All love the it. produce. Uh, and you know what? I, I love it. You know, there's so many things that we've not managed to fit in. And funny enough, when you were saying that, I was wondering whether San Sebastian would have been where you're taking because you and I share a love of that magnificent, magnificent place. That's beautiful. Isn't you know, it? I think anybody yeah. who is into food and wants to go somewhere in Europe for the best experience, San, yeah. Sebastian, San Sebastian ticks every single oh box. And it's got a beach on the side. Yeah. Yeah. Any city with a beach in yeah. wins for me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No. Uh, Monica, it, it, it's been a joy spending time with you. I mean, I, I sort of said before we started this, I've known of you obviously for a long long time I've eaten in your restaurant a couple of times but we've never met I'm not, no. and I'm not quite sure why I know and so many times I've been asked if if we could do Sunday brunch, Sunday brunch with yeah. you and then something would happen yeah, um, yeah basically you yeah. said nah no <laughs> <laughs> nah I'll um, wait for Saturday uh, uh, kitchen uh, uh, to ask <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even been on that one in a while well, <laughs> well that's good good well we'll get you on Sunday brunch and no, you know you. just massive massive good luck with you it's been a, been a joy spending time with you Likewise. Um, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me on Grilling. Thanks for having me, Simon. Thank you so much to Monica for joining us on Grilling. What a story that is. So she's gone from kind of playing uh, cricket in big puddles to then referring to Le Gavroche as Michel's gaff. Finest line on the whole series of Grilling for me. Hopefully our chat has given you a bit of inspiration to get you cooking in the kitchen and on your barbecue. Head to Weber.com for plenty more recipe ideas from racks of lamb to salads and, of course, ribs. Do review, rate and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already and tell your friends about us too. Well, if you like what you've heard. Um, sadly, that is it for season two of Grilling. Thanks to everyone at Weber for their continued support. Hopefully we'll be back for another run of top guests from the world of chefing very soon. I'm Simon Rimmer. Thank you so much for listening. <laughs>